0: Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations, coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to The Grind, everybody. Uh, we're glad you joined us again for our next episode. And we're, we're past the mid-teens now in, in episodes, which is awesome. And testing out a new system today. So uh, Nick Burt, our lovely production minister, um, executive, pastor, whatever title. Uh, he doesn't have a mic stand right now. to to be able to talk back to us, so we're going to make fun of him for having a a mic with no mic stand. There's probably a lot of jokes in that. Uh, Chad, you got any on that? I'm fresh out, Dave. (laughs) No uh, mic with no mic stand jokes. And I hadn't uh, thought of any lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a vast repertoire out there on uh, on the Googles, if we just yes. uh, just uh, tap into that vein. On the, inter-
1: on the interwebs. On
0: the interwebs, the Googles, as we like to call it <laughs> in the vernacular. So, uh, well, we're glad to have you. Chad and I are back here again together. And uh, so, Chad, you're, is your world uh, lovely?
1: Man, things are going great. It's just... My world is so lovely.
0: (laughs) The level of excitement with which you said that was uh, overwhelming, Chad. I'm not sure. Uh, It's early in the morning. We do have to say. Usually we do this podcast in the afternoon, but it's early in the morning, so Chad's a little sleepy-eyed, and Nick and I uh, both have high blood pressure because of our commutes (laughs) into the building this morning, and and I just have to confess a little uh, sin this morning and vent a little bit. I have a couple of pet peeves when I drive, and we drive a lot here at the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Amen. And so I hate tailgaters. So if you're a tailgater out there, you need to repent of your sin and stop doing that. And I, I don't like people who drive slow in the fast lane. That is a passing lane. You should not be in it if you're going to drive slower than the traffic. And and most of all, particularly on rainy, foggy days like we have today here in central Arkansas, uh, rubberneckers. God bless you if you if you can't look at the wreck on the other side of the freeway and still maintain your speed, quit looking at the wreck. <laughs> and oh, it just drives me crazy. It took me an hour and 10 minutes to get to the building this morning, yeah. uh, which is normally a 30-minute commute. And so my blood pressure is high. So forgive me for my rant this morning. Take, take uh, a deep
1: breath. Take a deep breath. You'll be fine. <sighs> I was, I was going to say, I grew up driving in Memphis, and uh, I think the drivers in the northwest Arkansas are the worst I've ever seen. I mean, there is not a more set of rude people on the road than these yahoos up here. Good yeah. people just can't m- operate motor vehicles. Oh, so. my
0: goodness. And and merging onto the freeway is a mystery, evidently, for most people. Uh, it's that just and, oh. That and
1: four, four-way stops, man. There's not, you think an elevator ride is awkward with people you don't know? Go to a four-way stop with some people you don't know. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. it's just looking at one another like, I don't know what to do. You know what to do? And then some brave soul just guns it you know and it's like well there he goes and just praise
0: that they don't get hit from the other person that's trying to gun it so i mean oh goodness well that's probably enough of our ranting this morning (laughs) and uh it's a rainy foggy day and early in the morning so uh uh you know maybe we're entitled people you know just uh uh, just got to get that off our chest a little bit
1: i don't know (laughs) i think a podcast about church planting and traffic would be kind
0: of a Neat idea. They could go mm-hmm. hand in hand in many ways, and yeah. uh, a lot yeah. of the same uh, stressors. And uh, yeah. we, we could do we could do a, a comparison contra- comparison and contrast podcast. You know, church planting versus yeah. being stuck in traffic. We we
1: could talk about we could talk about the tailgate church planter the rubberneck church planter <laughs> yeah.
0: the driving slow in the fast lane church planter the, yes the, yeah. yes
1: you're moving too fast you need to get going come on you know you have a core team move along
0: yeah surely there's some correlations there we could pick uh, up it on. sounds like it yeah yeah maybe we need to write a uh, write a book about that
1: uh, sounds uh, good in our uh, spare time
0: yes that's right because we have so much of it and. Uh, <laughs> All right, Nick is shaking his head and, and telling us to move on here. So, uh, <laughs> well, we're uh, we're glad you joined us again today. We've got a great interview. We actually did this interview back in the middle of January with Patrick Annati and Keith Strasberger from Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho. Uh, some of you may recognize the name of that church. It's the church that Jim Putman planted. Uh, he's written uh, Churches a Team Sport, uh, Disciple and... Uh, real life discipleship, uh, just several several books on disciple making, and, and that's kind of their hallmark. How they built their church uh, from you know life on life discipleship. If you become a believer, then the you know as Jesus said in in Mark chapter four, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, they fully believe that your discipleship journey is not complete until you follow Jesus, been changed by Jesus, and then made a disciple. And you've gone and fished for men. So uh, great conversation with them and uh, some, some neat partnership with that church and with those guys coming up. We've done some Disciple Shift conferences with them and, and more on the horizon, but some, some neat partnerships in church planting as well. And so I uh, hope you guys enjoy the interview with Patrick and Keith. And as we talk about disciple making in, and its connection and role in church planting. So we'll kick it to the interview now. All right, guys. Uh, we want to welcome uh, Patrick Annati and Keith Strasburger uh, from Real Life Ministries to The Grind podcast. Uh, Patrick is the church planting director, for lack of a better word, since they don't like titles. and and. Uh, and we didn't
2: say we don't like them, we uh, just
0: don't use don't have we them. Don't have them. And Keith Strasberger evidently has the title of Sexy Beast for real life <laughs> ministries. We're trying it out for now. Yeah, yeah. It's in beta. It's in beta, it's yeah, in beta testing. In beta. Yeah. <laughs> it's in beta. <laughs> Otherwise known as national influencer, uh, what else was Men's there? Men's pastor. Men's pastor, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, General uh, keeper of Jim Putman. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So so say hi, guys. Hello, hey, hello. (laughs) Welcome to Arkansas uh, from Post Falls, Idaho. Yes, sir. Way far north uh, in the U.S. and coming down to hang out with us this week, live in studio again. We've Mm -hmm. had Andy Addis in the studio. Now we've got uh, Patrick and Keith in the studio. So it's been a fun, fun week. So we're going to talk to these guys uh, today about. Uh, Real Life Ministries has been such an incredible church uh, Really focused on disciple making And building disciple makers And so uh, we want to hear from you guys And kind of talk about your personal ministry journeys uh, Leading up to your stand at Real Life And, and particularly um, you know, how you guys became believers Were discipled and then became disciple makers Kind of that whole mm-hmm, journey for each mm-hmm. of you guys And you can fight over who gets to go first Who I are mean, you go first? Rock, paper, scissors
1: this is rock, they're doing rock paper scissors okay. on a podcast.
0: <laughs> okay, Patrick is starting first.
3: <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was uh, the the long story is way too long, so we'll go with the short version. I was uh, I was raised in a Christian home. I uh, my parents were awesome, uh, still are awesome, heavy influence. But uh, you know, uh, did Sunday school, did all that stuff. Went to Christian school growing up, and uh, and at some point along the the journey, or at some point along the, the way, the road. Uh, recognized or or thought that I recognized that there was a better way of doing things, uh, and so, you know, got involved with the the wrong crowd. Nothing nothing crazy, but definitely spent some time um, chasing some things that weren't weren't important. And uh, and I when I graduated high school, uh, I uh, came to a. a, a a point in my life through a motorcycle accident where I was stuck in my parents' basement for about nine months. On, mm. on mm. couldn't walk and, and a bunch of junk like that. And so, uh, God, God just hammered me and and huh. said, "Hey, if it, this is what your life is going to be like spiritually, if you continue on the path that you're on, it's you're going to be living in a basement. You know, in your parents' basement. And nobody wants to live in their parents' basement."
0: So, so you so actually uh, lived out the Geico commercial, the skier, which says, oh, that's a real moving back in your parents' basement. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I influenced that commercial. Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: and so I just made a decision. Uh, I still remember sitting in the basement, uh, you know, had my little, my, my bed done. I had to move home because I couldn't, I couldn't walk or take care of myself or whatever. But I uh, uh, remember sitting down there and going, okay, there's, there's gotta be more to life. And. I, I want to get. I want to squeeze everything out of this life that I can. And when I say that, I don't mean money. I don't mean uh, influence. I, I mean I want to squeeze everything I can for the kingdom of God. And, mm. and so that was a turning point for me. Um, and my wife and I got got married a little bit a little bit later. Uh, <clears throat> and our our real life ministries story started with uh, we got involved when the church was really small. Uh, there were probably uh, about a hundred people at the church. And, uh, and my wife and I, you know, we decided we were going to, we were, we we're going to be a part of the church and we're going to sink our teeth into this thing. And, and so, um, so we, uh, we got involved and Jim was, uh, uh maybe a couple of years after we got involved, I, I remember Jim was on stage and he said, um, he, he said, if you're not going to get involved or you're not going to get off the bench then, uh, and be a part of this thing, then, uh, then we don't have room for you. Mm-hmm. And so, so give up your seat, basically, because we got work to do here. And and so we got involved in middle school ministry, and we, uh, you know, and I was framing houses at the time and doing really well. And and my wife and I got involved in middle school ministry, and that was kind of the the beginning of the journey into uh, into ministry, full time ministry was. And I didn't even see this coming, but God was paving a way through some, you know, um, just some environments and some opportunities to invest in kids, and and. And my wife and I spent a lot of time praying about what we wanted to do with our lives. And one day, God said, "I, I want you to be on staff at a church, and this is the church I want you to be on staff." And uh, and there was an opportunity, and and so that happened. It was pretty wild. That, that was that was crazy. Cool. Yeah. But the the influence, you know, looking back now, the influence uh, was was so different than anything that I had ever heard before from a church. I'd never heard if i'd never heard we don't have room for you if you're not going to get your hands dirty (laughs) yeah yeah so that's wild that's different yeah um and so that was that was my entry point in and that was kind of the philosophy and i know we're going to talk about that a little bit as well but that was kind of the philosophy of ministry that i was like all right i can i can get behind this i'm I'm in for this and so you know the rest is history from that point on
2: yeah keith yeah um you know just growing up i lived with a I had the opportunity to live with a lot of different families growing up. And uh, there was a constant in my life, and it would be my grandma. So, you know, I knew I knew the Bible stories. I knew about God. I knew about salvation through my grandmother. And uh, so I was living with a family when I was in the fifth grade. It was, a, it was a Baptist preacher. And I raised my hand at service, went home uh, after lunch, uh, prayed the prayer. And I got the book of John in the King James Version, and that was the extent <laughs> of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so when I was 14, I made a, a conscious decision, a, a vow that I'd never be a Christian. Hmm. And so I lived that out for, oh, until I was about 19. And through that whole time and all the things that go, go with that, uh, I always knew, I always believed the, what the Bible says. I just didn't follow it. And when I was 19, um, I, I call it tapped out. I, I surrendered. And I surrendered with everything I had. And that's a whole other story. But I was as talking to Patrick last night. We were talking about this. I've never looked back. Mm. Oh, but one thing I didn't know, uh, I, I know when I became a Christian, when I surrendered to Jesus, I didn't want to go to church cause I was afraid they'd take this away from me What I had just experienced mm. this transformation. Mm. Um, and it was, it was so real to me. So for about a year, I didn't go to church at all. My grandma had talked me into starting to go to church. So I checked out different churches, ended up in the military. I did all that. And so the whole time, uh, had a love for God, had a love for people. I had a bad taste in my mouth for church, and that's not the church's fault, that was just my own baggage. Um, So fast forward uh, 15 years, uh, we moved to uh, Post Falls, Idaho, my wife and family and myself, and ended up going to real life ministries. And again, for me, I'd never heard some of the things that was very similar. I heard Jim saying, you know, if you're not in the game, go find another church. We need the room. And to me, that was a challenge. And I never had a church challenge me. Yeah. Mm. And the Churches were always interested. Are you interested in serving here? Are you I said, no, I'm not interested. Well, they didn't have anything to say. So if they didn't have a way to convince me, they must not really be interested either. Yeah. And so I just never saw that. And I, now I go to a church where I'm actually being challenged. And, and I was, uh, um, Greg Turbin introduced himself to me and said, hey, Keith, uh, I want you to meet somebody. And this is what happened within two weeks of me being at Real Life. I want you to meet Chris Wagner. He's your home group leader. And I said, I'm not in a home group. He goes, no, he just lives up the road from me. That's your new home group. And I said, how do you know where I live? I didn't want anybody to know where I live. And I go, you filled out a card. I said, I don't fill out cards. And my wife did. And I'm like, Long story short, so I ended up in that home group. Well, eventually, because Greg was my community pastor, so I spent a ton of time with me mm. and sharing his life with me, his ups and downs and victories and his family and his marriage. And, and I'd never known a pastor, to be so honest. Yeah. And uh, so through that, um, not knowing that there's a scouting process at Real Life, I was being scouted this whole time. And about um, two years later, uh, Jim Putman asked me to come on staff as a men's pastor. And I said, absolutely not. Yeah. I didn't want to work at a church. I had a good job. I worked on my home, made excellent money. I had tons of freedom and autonomy. But, and so, but a year later, I ended up coming on staff. Because Jim said, we're not going to hire anybody until you accept this position. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, they waited 11 months, and they still hadn't hired anybody. And so I've been yeah. on staff for 10 years. And uh, but wow. and then I didn't know, you know, coming to real life, I knew what disciples were because I saw them in the Bible. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was one. I thought wow. the disciples were like Paul, mm-hmm. Peter, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And through my time at Real Life, and guys invest in my in, in, in my life and getting to know me and sharing their lives with me and telling me I am a disciple, not only am I a disciple, um, we're going to equip you to make disciples because yeah. you are a disciple maker mm-hmm. and you're a leader. Nobody ever told me I was a leader,
0: yeah,
2: and so I wouldn't have thought that. And so because of the investment in time, that you know that's a big part of why I'm here right now, having this
0: conversation with you guys on
2: computer or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know,
0: uh, yeah. it's fascinating. You guys brought up something, that, and both of you said it, you know, talking about the challenge they gave mm. you mm. to get in the game. Yeah. And, and one of the things, that, as I've watched real life, and I've read, you know, Church of the Team Sport and Discipleship mm-hmm. and and Real Life Discipleship and, and read all that and kind of watched from a distance and then just getting to know you guys over the last, you know, several months, uh, there is an expectation level mm-hmm. with you know, people who come to real life Mm -hmm. ministries that I I don't I don't think exist many places. Uh, if 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 you're not if you're not gonna get in the game, go somewhere else. Go sit somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We want you to be disciple makers. Mm -hmm. And so talk about kind of that that whole philosophy of high expectation, you are a disciple if you become a disciple major. I mean, you guys talked at the DS One conference <clears throat> that your discipleship journey is not complete until you've made a disciple. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, t- kind of talk about yeah. that, how that fleshes out. You know, in life.
2: I, I, I'm not gonna say high expectation from the sense of performance. There is an expectation. i right. agree with that right. statement. You know, I, I remember the first time I, I, I saw Jim Putman on stage, and I didn't know who he, I'm only using his name because I didn't know who he was at the time. And here's what he said. He goes. Uh, he goes, um, he's telling the whole congregation, he goes, you guys are freaks. And here's why he said this, because the place was packed. And he said, it's hot and it's dusty in here. And he said, and the reason it is is because you guys weren't called to go to church. You're called to be the church. Yeah. And that really resonated with me. I didn't know. I'd never heard that before, but I knew it was true. And then he goes, and the reason it's so packed in here is you guys are being the church at work. You're being disciples, disciple makers at home, at work, at the schools you go to. And you're inviting people into your lives, into your homes, and in here. And so he, what, there's a philosophy of reaching... Our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Yeah. Our mission is to create biblical disciples in a relational environment. Yeah. Then we have a process which we call share, connect, minister, disciple. Share Christ the dying world, connect them in a relationship, prepare them to minister and release them to make disciples. Yeah. And so... When your people know that there's a philosophy, and everybody's expected to be in the game imperfectly. Yeah. As we go. So that 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 that's that is our philosophy
0: of ministry in a nutshell. So what is Patrick what is what is being in the game look like? Mm-hmm. So okay, you're going to be you're going to be a disciple maker. So mm-hmm. what is that going to look like? I mean, we, we talk all the time, you know, here about being on mission where you live, work and play mm. yep. and that you there's nowhere you go that you're not on mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. mm-hmm. and you're not a disciple and a disciple maker. So so talk about what does it look like to be in the game there and, and be a disciple maker? Yeah. How do you get folks to do that?
3: Well, a couple different ways, uh, you know, and I, and I think there's there's avenues all over the place. We try and create on-ramps to get involved in ministry, whether that's youth ministry or children's or, or recovery ministry or leading a small group or whatever. But I think more important than that is is, is this, and, and hopefully this makes sense. Uh, you know a good car mechanic, when you look at his fingernails, yeah. he's got, mm. he's got grease under his finger. He's got oil. He's got dirt. So the yeah. guy's working on cars, you know, a, you know, a good framer. That's what I used to use, used to build houses. You know, I'd have guys that would come and say, I've framed my whole life and I had this and you look at their hands and they didn't have any calluses. Yeah, They never swung a hammer. No busted mm. knuckles. They had no busted knuckles. That's right. <laughs> These guys should have blue fingernails. You know, they're hitting their. And so I still have calluses on my hands today. There's one right there, you know, and And so when we look, when we talk about what does it look like to get people in the game, what we're calling people to is to get some dirt under their fingernails. Mm -hmm. Mm. Most people don't want to get dirt under their fingernails. They want they want to see stuff grow, and they want this you know the garden Mm. analogy that they want these beautiful plants to grow, and it's great. But they don't want to get on their knees and actually put their hand in and press a seed into the dirt. And so Mm. when that's what we're talking about, when we say you know the leadership team, the philosophy. Uh, when we talk about getting in the game, what we're what we're saying is get your hands dirty, and what that looks like is this: uh, When was the last? These are questions that we'll, we'll ask. When was the last time that you had a conversation with somebody that um, that was hard? Yeah. Or or you you learned something about somebody that was that maybe wasn't real attractive, you know? Mm. Or you you somebody's got dirt on you. Somebody's yeah, yeah. got dirt under their fingernails. So that authenticity and that that realness that is. Is just a part of it. That's what we're calling people to, whether it's in life groups, whether that's in youth ministry or, or children's or recovery or what men's, women's, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, can I add something to that real yeah. quick? Yeah. No. You know? Yes.
2: <laughs> okay. The rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> so anyway, you know, what Patrick's saying is dead on. And what what we're not inviting people into is a program mm-hmm. or a study series or a a, a model of this. Uh, our people. And I am to say for me, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I'm a disciple maker, and yeah. it's my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So everything I do, the center of that is the reality that I'm a disciple, right. and everything else comes outside of that as opposed to me doing all these other things, I'm going to fit be disciple-making in or discipleship in somewhere. Mm-hmm. I am a disciple-maker, and I live as a disciple. And so whether I work here, whether I work in a garage, I'm a disciple, I, I'm the church wherever God puts me. And so our desire for people have that mentality. So they're not coming to a discipleship class. They're not going to a discipleship group. They're disciples. Yeah. They're right. growing as disciples. Right. And they're going to make disciples. Right. And that's just mm-hmm. what they do wherever they are. Right. So
1: it's, it's not so much an activity, it's an identity.
2: Yeah. It's a way of life. It's an idea. You know, um, we don't do discipleship. We are disciples of Jesus. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I read, recently read uh, the book Incarnate by Michael Frost. And and really, he talks about this and how we have become an ex-carnate people, that Mm -hmm. we have a disembodied faith that is not uh, engaging. You talk about having hard conversations. Uh, and uh, he, he talks about telling dangerous stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we in conversations where it does get messy, yep. you know, where we are having to uh, wrestle with real-life issues with people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said so much of what we do is is we sit in a worship service and watch somebody else preach. Yep. We sit in a discipleship class and listen to somebody else yep. talk about what we ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's And there's rarely time where... Uh, we're you know engaging people in real life conversations, real life face to face issues, not on a cell phone, not Mm -hmm. on a podcast, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: uh, that's not sustainable. That lifestyle is not sustainable. I'll give you an example If, if I have an issue with Patrick, and let's say I'm talking to uh Sherry Miles, she's on our team, and I'm going, Patrick, this, this, and this, and this. She goes, when are you going to talk to him about it? Mm-hmm. There's an expectation that everything I've just said to Sherry, I'm yep. actually going to say to Patrick. And she's going to want to know when that happened. Because if it doesn't, she's going to let Patrick know that he needs to come talk to me because i got something to say to him. Yeah. And so we call it uh, traveling light. Yeah. And so there's an expectation on our staff and on our team. I'm not saying it happens perfectly. But there's right. an expectation to travel light. And, 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 and it's hard work. And yeah. it's hard yeah. for me to hear things that need to be said to me sometimes. But I also love the guys mm-hmm. and the gals that have the courage to say, Keith you, whatever it is, because if they don't tell me, how am I gonna know? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. exactly. And, and and then and then also to create a culture where it's inviting because I know I can tell Patrick if there's whether it's how he preached something he needs to consider or how he's living his life, because if we have the relationship, I can speak into that maybe kind of a, a constructive criticism or just flat mm-hmm. out criticism sometimes or <laughs> encouraging as well, the ability to
0: truly encourage because I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you guys do life together. Yep. Yeah. Love and him to death. death. Yep. Yeah, you, absolutely.
1: You, you guys have a unique uh, story in that you've kind of, you even said you, after a couple of weeks you were being scouted. Mm-hmm. So you guys went from non-ministry to yeah. just engaged in the church. I yeah, never worked at a church before Yeah. And then, and then now you're full time. Mm-hmm. So, talk about how you guys do that how do you go about because leadership development is one of the top three to five issues talk about well in in for our churches yeah. and church plants yeah Leadership development is always on the forefront of their mind, Mm -hmm. and and so you guys have been through that personally. You've been you've been scouted, you know. You've you've gone from framing to yeah. So talk a little bit about how that process happens. How do you guys do that? It it seems to be that it's very intentional.
0: Yeah, and you're looking for guys now. You're scouting guys. Yeah, so so. we're scouting you guys right now. I can Uh, can list guys in my head right now. Uh,
1: Share your wisdom with us.
0: Well, you
3: know, here's what's funny about that. Is we do a lot of things intuitively that we don't even know that we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we accidentally do good things, <laughs> uh, and sometimes we accidentally do not so great things. But what what we're learning is is this. And so just to kind of paint a picture, if you have a hundred individuals in a room, and, and you walk into that room, and these they're just kind of mingling, whatever they're chatting. There's something about there's something about one of those guys in there, one of those guys or gals. That, that would draw somebody to them. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this kind of, I, I don't know what, invisible magnet that is leadership. And, and some people, just they just draw that. And I think what, what's happened is we've kind of defined that in the church, and, and this has not been super healthy, but we've defined that as who's the loud person in the room, who's the <laughs> entrepreneurial get-it-done, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who's yeah. the best speaker. Like who, who do we see that's got that booming voice that people are, when they speak, everybody else shuts up, right? Yeah. And, and those aren't bad things, but there's something, there's something else. There's this hunger, there's this humility, there's this yep. desire to be taught, to grow. And then there's this relationship piece where, where this, these people, and this is when we're looking at guys or, or we were scouted or whatever, the relationship piece was not just another one of those, uh, one of those elements. It was right. the element do these people value human beings? Do yeah. they actually value, or do they view people as just a way to get ahead, or do they view people as, uh, you know, whatever? And so that was one of the things, you know, I remember sitting down with the guy that that hired me, and, and I remember saying, why are you hiring me? I'm a framer. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. actually making good money, you know, mm-hmm. so that's a whole nother issue, but... <laughs> I was making good money and things were going well and he goes, he goes, You don't even understand what you're doing with these kids. You're pouring mm-hmm. your life in because you value them as human beings. Yeah. This isn't just something you do. And that's when we say you are the church, yeah. that's what we mean. You are the church. And there's something about that individual when that when you walk into that room, hundred people you can go look around and go, There he is. Yep. He's got it. Yep. Or she's got it. And so that that in a nutshell is because we look at all the other things we look at the leadership giftings communication skills visionary administrative all of those things are good good things we're not throwing that out but there is something that is is hard to quantify yeah. and and it is that relationship value
2: love desire for people yeah and we give them opportunities to actually do ministry right and fail Yep. Right. And mm-hmm. then we work through the failure. And fail, not, not, not talking moral failure, but actually right. screwing things up. Yeah. And then just moving on and giving them opportunities so they can learn through their, their mistakes, and it's yeah. okay to miss miss it. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I think that's what's missing in a lot of churches. I remember talking to a guy who's like, you know, if I couldn't trust uh, these people with my kids— yep. Uh, then I, they couldn't be a leader in our church. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, if I was that was the standard for our church, yeah. we would have zero leaders because yep. I don't see yep. these people with my kids. You know? yep. So I think I think having that, taking people where they are, yep. knowing that they're not a completed product, you know, in, yep. in a sense. Not that they're products. That's probably bad. But not it works. they're not complete. Yeah. But but we, we see where God wants to take them to go, and we're going to help them along the journey. Mm-hmm. That's what I think more churches need to get a hold of. Yeah. To say, look, I'm, I'm not giving you a thousand people to lead. Right. I'm giving you ten people to yep. lead. If or, you mess up two. with yeah. if you mess up with two or three or ten, that's not as bad. Yeah. The, yeah. They're, they're, the, the the collateral damage from that is smaller. Yeah. You know, I I think that's some great. And
0: you've got to do that before you do the. The nice. thousand, you know, yeah. and I, you know there is there is such a an on the job training kind of yes component. It's, to it's this. what
2: Jesus it's, did.
0: It is. <laughs> it is exactly what Jesus. And I did. think
2: he would laugh at most of us for how do. we do stuff. I don't think he'd laugh. I think it'd be something yeah. else. But
0: uh, I, you know, one of my favorite passages, New <laughs> Testament, is Matthew nine thirty five through thirty eight, where you know he's going through all the towns and villages, healing, preaching, synagogues, teaching the kingdom of God. He looks at the people, has compassion. Uh, and, and then he says, you know, the harvest is plentiful. Workers are few months. Ask the Lord to send out laborers in the harvest field. Mm-hmm. So end of chapter nine, chapter 10, he sends them out yep, yep. into the harvest says, okay, now you've heard me teach. You've seen what I do now pair up and you guys go do what I do, yeah, and, and, they, and uh, they messed it
3: up. They messed it up. They didn't you, do it right. No, no, they weren't polished. They didn't have their all their, you know. Mm. And again, we're not throwing those things. Out. we're saying, do do things well. Right. Quality is is right. uh, yeah. we believe is is important. But they messed it up when but they went out. But you've got
0: to practice to do things yeah, well. Absolutely.
2: Nobody starts out doing anything great. No, not a no, single person. They don't. So, yep. Yeah, we're too good.
0: too overprotective, I think, of yep. people. J.D. Payne said one time he was talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our disciple making processes, and he said we try and script our disciple making processes so much that we script the Holy Spirit out of it yeah. mm-hmm. and he said you look at the early followers of Jesus they did not have this all figured out before he sent them out mm-hmm. uh, you look at what's happening in missional movements around the world uh, these are unskilled you know as, the, as was said of the disciples they're unskilled uneducated you know how are they speaking this way who are these men where did they come from mm-hmm. well uh you know i think we we hold back on people too much like that we're missing some folks that could have incredible impacts on the kingdom yep so. absolutely all right gonna we'll kind of wrap up the conversation let me ask this question of both of you guys and you've been down the the journey here for a pretty good while now and if you could say one thing to our church planners or give one piece of advice maybe something somebody shared with you poured into you uh you know if you could say one thing to church planners what would it be
2: I'd say church planners and the church in general, everything Jesus ever asked of us, he modeled. Mm-hmm. So he's wow. not asking us anything that he didn't do already. And so mm. when Jesus says, a new command I give to you is I have loved you, so love one another. Wow. By this, the world will know you're my disciples. If we don't love one another and make that a pursuit, if I don't... Understand what love is. 1 Corinthians 13 is a hint, you guys. Right. And, and begin in the power of the Holy Spirit and surrender to live out being patient and kind, not being rude, not holding grudges, all those things. Enduring with one another, bearing with one another. When we do that, when Patrick and I do that with each other today, When if you and I, people see that, they know we're disciples. That's what identifies us as disciples of Jesus, that we love one another. And I'll make this statement, and you might get some letters. You don't even have to stand on the street and evangelize. Right. If right. we would love one another... Mm-hmm. And take care of one another, and put up with each other. Who wouldn't want to be part of us and want some of that? And right. so I believe that with all my heart. Yeah, yeah I'm good. with you.
0: I'm with you, mm-hmm.
3: Patrick? Patrick, You know, I would say, <clears throat> I would say this: uh, discipleship is is not a model. Uh, discipleship is not a program. Uh, I think there, I believe there are, are many different ways that the church can look and feel. And and yeah. uh, uh, discipleship is not auxiliary. It's not an outside a thing that we just kind of bolt on to the church and hope this works for a year until we find something better. Uh, And so I I would say and challenge uh, those of you that are listening to this uh, to wrestle through whether or not discipleship for you personally is a model or a program or something that you're doing in this season until something better comes along. Or is it who you are? Are you walking this out? You walking this out, whether you're a senior guy or a uh, youth minister or whatever, are you walking this out? Would your wife say, my husband is discipling me? And if the answer to that is no, then don't go out and tell your people to start making disciples because you don't understand it yourself.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much, man, uh, for hanging out with us yeah. and, uh, uh, for listeners out there, uh, kind of watch our, uh, coming soon stuff. We're, uh, kind of partnering with these guys on some, uh, disciple shift conferences yeah. and, and some, uh, disciple making things. And we'll be more of that in the future. And, uh, so pay attention for that. We'd love to have you guys come participate in that, get to know these guys and, uh, just been uh, a great couple of days. So thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Yeah.
2: I'd like to say one thing though, you, what's our website uh
0: we have a thing called a disciple shift training okay and we
2: train equip churches all over the United States in a two-day um you can call it a conference if you want but I'd say 15 of those 16 hours is in small group walking out being and making disciples of Jesus and you go to our on our website discipleshift.org okay and you'll see the dates around the country and uh you, you definitely want to be part of that, and that, that's how we help churches and equip churches to begin making that shift, so they have a, a disciple making culture in their churches. And, yep. we'll,
0: and we'll put that web address on our show mm-hmm. notes, cool. uh, so yeah. they can have that and have access to that. And so, uh, awesome. Yeah. All right, now we're going to do our rapid fire. I almost and, forgot rapid fire. Yeah, Rap- rapid. Do this. I was we're hoping re- re- we were going to forget rapid. <laughs> fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll no. do
1: we'll do rapid fire with you guys. We'll bounce back and forth. So the first question is: what is the top one or two books have had the most impact on you, Patrick? You since you're so reluctant or so willing, yes,
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, one of the books, it, this changes so often, to be honest, but yeah. uh, there is there's a book um, called Brothers. We are not professionals. Oh, yeah. That I read uh, when I first got into ministry, and it changed the way that I viewed being in ministry. Hmm. And it's by uh, it's by John Piper, and and he did a great job and uh, and helped the book helped me understand that this is not about being a professional at this or being a paid player. This is who you are. And okay. uh, and so it kind of helped put me in my place. Um, and, and then uh, cost of
2: discipleship yeah. uh, is, is in my top
3: one, two, three, yeah. for sure. Yeah. What you got, Keith?
2: Yeah, other than the Bible, um, <laughs> without question, for me, it's The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Oh, yeah. I carry that with me everywhere I go. Um, and so that's just a standby for me. And then recently is a book by Eugene Peterson called "Eat This Book: mm. um, The Spiritual Reading uh, of Scripture," yeah. and it's a game changer for me as well in how I interact with God through His Word.
1: How about your biggest strength in ministry, Keith? You start first.
2: Um, <laughs> wow, uh, probably just connecting with people and um, and encouraging and equipping mm. and seeing the best in people, mm. and then let and helping them see it as well. Yeah. Yep. That's good.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine would be uh, um, probably just big picture strategy For thinking. Sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What about your biggest weakness? Uh, big picture strategy. It's so funny. It is funny.
2: It's yeah. funny
1: how often most guys oh, say yeah. their biggest strength <laughs> yeah. is also it's just their just biggest the reality. weakness. It just is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In, in ministry. Yeah. Um, biggest, uh, biggest, biggest weakness to overcome. Um, you know. I, I lose my receipts all the time. He, he does. Um, and I've been on staff for 10 years, and I get charged for the receipts that don't show up, but I still lose them. So it's not, you know, um, it's administrative stuff. Yeah. I, so, I want to be good.
0: Yeah. I want to yeah. be good. So
1: you get charged for the receipts oh, yeah. that you don't.
0: Well, it's, yeah. Buddy, yeah. we are more like than, uh, yeah. <laughs> than either um, of us ever so do. So I have <laughs> a, a line, item in, line item
2: in my budget for lost receipts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's really awesome loophole
1: it's
2: an idea that's, it awesome an that's, it's yeah. A, yeah. that's great alright what about yeah. your favorite hobby or pastime Keith um, I love fly fishing yep and I love uh, motorcycle riding um, for days at a time Not mm. a, I like going I live a half hour from work so I get two vacations a day on my way to work and my way home <laughs> yeah. but being on my yeah. motorcycle uh, uh, fly fishing and I, and I love coffee so my, a lot of what mm. my wife and I do is around coffee because I roast coffee yeah I have a real nice espresso machine plumbed in my house and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's another
1: thing. I noticed yesterday at lunch when we were all ordering drinks, you ordered like water and a coffee. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, he's yeah. he's drinking coffee at lunch with yeah. his. And, neighbor, and so. yeah, I don't drink a
3: lot. I usually have one or two coffees. <laughs> okay, yep. okay, all right, but it's good coffee. Yep, uh, mine would definitely be fishing mm. uh, of some sort. Yeah. Um, but fishing and uh, fishing and camping.
2: Okay. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. What about your favorite movies? Oh my gosh. You know, uh, I love secondhand lions. Oh yeah, yeah, I like that. And movie. then um, I like almost any war movie, mm-hmm. or where somebody's just a bad man. Yeah, wa- <laughs> yeah.
1: So War Room is one of your favorite.
2: Movies. I've never seen it. And I don't don't write in on this. I, I, it takes me a little longer to get around those kind of movies. But, uh, but yeah, and any I'm good kidding. football movie. I'm like kidding. remember the Titans or anywhere where there's football. In yeah, there. I love that.
0: Yeah. So manly movies. Yeah,
2: I just like a little bit of aggression here. <laughs> Yeah, just
0: dabble in it. But man, a uh, secondhand
2: Lions <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. I'm not going to help, help that. Uh, mine is mine is definitely Braveheart.
0: How many guys have said yeah, Braveheart? It's, it's, it's just a, it's a classic.
3: We were created by God to love that movie. Yeah, we we're, were designed. That's in <laughs> our design. a Wacko yeah. people.
0: Well, no. Cut that
3: out. Cut that, we'll out. Cut that I out. See,
0: I, I, it's I like it. It's okay. You know, Braveheart. But, but I mean, it's I. Uh, five guys that we've interviewed over the well, last.
1: Well, it's a great leadership. It is, yeah,
0: it yeah. is. You
2: know, and uh, band of brothers.
0: Band yeah. of brothers is good. Yeah. Yeah. See, Lones my favorite girls. is Monty Python the Holy Grail. That's so... a good one. <laughs> That's silliness. A, that's a genre yeah. silliness, yeah. which fits my personality very right, well. Dave,
1: you get to you get to ask this last okay, question here's, here's, yeah, this is this, this is, is my
0: your, favorite. This question. is your area. All right, favorite band or musician? Who go, wants to go, go first?
3: This is gonna take well, me forever. Well, Keith I, got, and I, are, I,
0: got, I got a few. There's some genres because um,
2: I go in the countryside of things. My no, thing, we don't like country. No, hold so. on, I do older, older <laughs> <skip> uh, country. <laughs> everything yeah. from a Hank Snow to Jim Reeves to older Hank. Williams. So old it's old classic country. Uh, uh, all the way up to the mid '80s. Hank, Hank Jr. Um, I love blues. I love Albert King. I love to listen to uh, Billy Holiday. I like the Ink Spots. That all kind of stuff. But I'm a metalhead. You are and Dave Art. McClung. Oh, and yep. I, I also like classic rock. I'm a big Leonard Skinner fan, um, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But Iron Maiden is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And also a band called August Burns Red. Oh, yeah. Haste of Day. Yeah. And Demon some Hunter. screamo stuff. Yeah, I, I do Iron. enjoy some of that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. Those are Christian bands. Too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The Maiden, Iron Maiden. Yeah. Man, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we
0: share that. Um, yeah.
2: It's
1: like spiritual for you. It's like, mm, mm,
3: Maiden. Yeah. just yeah. mm. such a
2: great band. Mm.
3: Yep. I don't. I don't even know if I can answer this, to be honest. I I, I I have. There's a lot of bands I like, but you guys are music nuts. I was
0: a little concerned about your musical illiteracy yeah. last night. Listen, oh. I'm <laughs> with
3: Patrick. Yeah, me, I'm me and your kindred
4: spirits.
1: I'm not
3: gonna man. answer the question. I'm like, yeah.
1: I like a good uh, worship song yeah. on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. Good. But
3: you got What's his like name? music. I like music. I just yeah. I, I I can't pick. I'm not gonna you know.
2: So I pick it for him. You gotta Sorry, pick. Said, night, come on, you, you gotta pick something. You gotta listen to this. Yeah. You gotta have a favorite. You gotta have a go-to. Dude, you got some
3: good music. Kenny, Kenny G has got to be at the top <laughs> of, you know.
0: That's Kenny right. <laughs> we may no longer be able to be friends. <laughs> no, I don't. That's, I mean, I that's to a first. I, I Kenny would say G. Would old, be
3: first. old country. I can't stand new country. Yeah, I cannot right. stand Me it. But neither. You, you don't like Florida Georgia
2: Line? You don't no, know who nope, they are. Nope. Nope. No, no offense to anybody out there that's yeah, related.
3: Taylor Swift, if you're listening, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like your music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> edit, edit. Yeah. Tr- yeah. trust me, she's not listening. No, no It's fine.
0: No. Okay, so we'll we'll just put down old country for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I,
1: I like going with Kenny G myself. I oh think my I think that's really I thought that was solid. That's yeah, quality. Yeah. In fact, here let's let's just get a little Kenny G going here.
0: That's probably illegal. Why not, right? Oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> right, never mind. That is that, too. Sorry, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh. Copyright infringement.
0: So uh, That's probably illegal. Yeah. Uh. Arrest him. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think if you don't go more than three or four seconds, you're probably you're good, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody could discern uh. what that was. Uh. That was his ringtone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, right. All right. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that that that's descended uh, into chaos quickly. Sorry. So, uh, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much, man. A lot of fun, absolutely. And looking forward to to future hangout times. Yep. And sure. And so, yep. uh, all right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Once again, great great interview with Patrick and Keith. Love those guys. Uh, we got to spend uh, almost a week with those guys. Uh, it was a part of the DS One conference back in October while. Uh, uh, Chad's lovely bride was having a, a baby, and so mm-hmm. he missed out on that. Yep. But uh, got to hang out with them for about an hour, uh, for about four days, and just incredible guys, a lot of fun, and and it's you know, those guys are passionate about their their walk with Christ, mm-hmm. and and engaging in mission with him. And yes. the you know several things about this interview you know just captured me and. You know, first thing I think is the and and Keith kind of qualified it a little bit, but the the level of expectation they have of mm-hmm. their members that if you come and, and to be a part of Real Life Ministries, then you're expected to to be in the game, yeah. to to be on mission. And and Keith even said, you know, he said one of the first times he was at Real Life, he heard Jim Putman say, "Look, if you're." If you're coming here, you know, great. But uh, if you're not going to get in the game, then we don't have space for you. Yeah, There's not room for you. And, you know, so if you're going to just sit on the sidelines, then go do that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and, and the reality is that, that sh- that's Jesus' expectation of us. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, you know, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so if we're not going to fulfill the call that Jesus has placed on all of our lives, then then we're falling short. We're you mm. we missing it. And so I think just the and, and, and Keith qualified it and said it's not expect high expectation a sense of performance mm. because all of us are imperfect. Right. We're not going to get it right all the time, but get in the game. Yeah. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with with challenging our people. Both Keith and Patrick said that Jim challenged them to to be disciple-makers, and both of them said that they had never been challenged to be disciple-makers before. Keith said, you know, he said, I was asked all the time, are you interested in serving? Well, no, I wasn't interested. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he said, "He said when they put us in a small group, he said, I wanted to know how they got our address, because he said, I don't fill out <laughs> cards. And he said, what I found out is my wife had filled out a card, and that's how we wound up in a home group. Mm. And and that began their journey. But they didn't ask, are you interested? They said, here's your home group. Here's somebody that's going to walk alongside you and help you know how to be a disciple maker, and then here's a ministry for you to get involved in. And I, I thought that... Fantastic. That's great, and particularly for church planners, you've got a chance to set that culture and DNA from the get go. And there are going to be people that want to be a part of something like that, like Keith and Patrick. And there are going to be people that don't want to be a part of that. And we got to be okay with that. And yeah. so I, I thought that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's really good. I, this is one of my favorite interviews. Just just the way yeah. that these guys answered uh, succinctly, but they knew exactly what they were talking about. and you know, they know their culture. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I do think you've got to be careful as a church planter, you know, because Jim has built this momentum, built this movement, if you will. And he could say things like, hey, get involved or give up your seat. You don't want to say that when you've got thirty people and you're just starting your church plant, you know. <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. but, but he built a culture of expectation, you know, and then he got to a point where he could say that.
0: And uh, but he did do that when they were about a hundred. Did he? Uh, okay. Keith, yeah, because Patrick said they got <laughs> they got in there when they were about a hundred, and when it was wow. still small, and that was he was saying that then. So, That's awesome. of course, this—he's a wrestling coach. I mean, he's a—he yeah. you know, was—he's yeah. a, a man's man kind of guy, and don't, so he's yeah, used to challenging people.
1: Don't you think though? There's something that resonates though in a man when when somebody challenges them yeah. like that. That yeah, I think that maybe so. is missing from a lot of our churches. That makes yeah. a lot of our men kind of quote unquote bored.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: Wa- wanting more of a challenge, wanting to stretch themselves. You know, yeah. wanting some type of. You know, I, word adventure is not very good, but something like that that challenges them, that moves them. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, you, you mentioned that was Jesus's expectations. I, I, I don't know why. I think the guys mentioned this at some point. I don't know why we shy away from Jesus's method of discipleship. I mean, yeah. What? Well, why? What? Well, I mean, it works. We know it works. We know what it looks like, and yeah. yet. And yet, it's like here he is, who's modeled this. And sometimes we look at it and we go, "I don't know how to disciple people." And it's like, well, <laughs> Jesus did it. Why don't we just try to do what he did? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway.
0: I think he said uh, there's not anything Jesus asked his disciples to do that he did not model for them first. Right. And whether it was you know teaching, whether it was healing, casting out demons, they saw him do it first, and then he would send them out to do what he did and yep. and i think that's so important cuz we you know we have too many guys that i think that are enamored with preaching and and preaching is important and it, and it's a key part of worship it's a key part of uh, of you know, equipping people. I don't want to downplay preaching, but we put way too much emphasis on that and, and way too little emphasis on modeling how to be a disciple. And, and, and for most people, you know, we, we hear the statement all the time that vision is caught more than it's taught. right and, and I think the same thing if we want our people to be disciple makers, we've got to show them how to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. And so and I think that's something that Jim has done well.
1: Well, and that's one of the things that he said that I thought was so powerful in some of our conversations when he was here, is he said, We don't look for good preachers in our church planters. Yeah. He's like, We look for disciple makers. He said, yeah. Because if you have a good preacher in in a church plant, he might be a good disciple maker. It might be it might be a success. He said, But if you have a good disciple maker, it's a success every time. Yeah. And and that's what they've experienced in their church planting efforts. I think he said half of the churches they've planted are mega churches, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that's the measure always right. of success, but there is something to that, that uh you know so I think in our church planting it's kinda helped me shift a little bit to say, okay, how am I gonna equip planters to be disciple makers? How am I gonna look for planters who are disciple makers versus just Good preachers, and I think I think when people are even looking for pastors, yeah, their primary criteria is can he preach? Can he preach? When it should be, can he make disciples? And uh, so that's that man. That is a that is a huge shift for a lot of our churches and thinking about who we're looking for as
0: leadership. Yeah, and and it's getting the cart before the horse. Uh, You know the. You know, Jesus called us to make disciples, and as we make disciples, we're going to get opportunities to preach. We're going to get opportunities to teach and, and exercise that passion and gifting that some people have, mm-hmm. but but we can't put that ahead of making disciples, and if you get the disciple-making piece right first, then everything else will take care of itself, mm-hmm. and I mean, Mike Breen has said, you know, forever uh, in his Building a Discipling Culture, you know, book that— you know if you you plan a church you may get around to making disciples but if you make mm-hmm. disciples the church, church is always time. going to gather you're going to get yeah. a church every time right and and that I mean Putman has modeled that they've they've mm-hmm. proven it works not just in their their church but in the churches mm-hmm. that have planted out of real life yeah and so so I, I think they're they're on to something there
1: yeah and and another thing is how much they value uh, relationship and discipleship yeah. relationships. I remember I think it was Todd Engstrom when he was here he said um, systems don't make disciples, disciples make disciples. People make disciples. Right. So you can tell they might have a system but uh, with they do have a system in real life, but their system is their people. Like ha- they're yeah. so relational heavy, like get with people, be with people, invest in people, you know. Uh, so yeah, I, I I just love I love what they're doing. I think we have a lot to learn from them. I think yeah. going back to a conversation we had, BJ Strickland, uh, don't you think they're kind of more of a farm system than a finishing school, just raising yes. up leaders, yes, so,
0: continually raising up. I think yeah. I think uh, it I think it was Jim that said they've got a, like 110 people on their staff at Real Life and post Falls, and only four or six of them came from outside the church. Uh, yeah. Everybody else, they raised up from within and hired from yeah. within, and that is that's just absolutely captivating to me. And there there's a leadership development commitment there uh, mm. that is that is astounding. And I, so I yeah, absolutely. I, and they may actually be a farm system and a finishing school. Okay. <laughs> you, yeah. You know that they raise yeah. them up and then and then sure. finish them and send them out. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, just there, yeah.
1: there is something powerful about bringing people on your team that already have your DNA yeah. versus trying to bring somebody from outside who, yeah. you know, I think churches would be better served to, to go with that model for sure. I do too.
0: Yeah. I do too. You know, there's one other thing they talked about that I thought was great that, you know, really want our churches to, to kind of hone in on. And that was their discussion. They, they've built a high trust culture there. with Mm -hmm. their people uh i think it was keith that that said um you know they value relationships so much so that if there is a if there's a problem comes up he says so if i have a problem with patrick and maybe i'm talking to sherry miles who's a lady on their staff i've talked to sherry about patrick you know uh, patrick did this patrick did this her first question is going to be have you talked to patrick and Mm -hmm. when are you going to talk to patrick and and he said we value disciple making and relationships so much that we know that we're not ever going to get it right all the time and when we do get it wrong we've got to talk to one another about it and you know Keith said you know it may be difficult for me to hear some of the things that people have to say to me that I need to hear but I need to hear them and I need to be able to say that to other people as well and he says sometimes we do that better than others but but there's an expectation that that you're going to not gossip that you're not going to um, you know, let this stuff build up in, in your life. You're going to travel light, as he said, and, yeah. and unload these burdens. But there's a there's a respect for one another. There's an expectation that we're doing this together. Uh, that we' our lives are interlocked together as we follow Jesus and it develops this high trust culture that they have and team building and it's just i love that and so yeah. many of our churches miss that and struggle with that uh, just the way they found to to deal with that and develop that kind of culture it, it, i think is fantastic yeah
1: well it's a it's a idea of talking to someone instead of about someone exactly you know, and, and that's what always i think is the key difference so yeah great conversation yeah enjoyed it very much
0: good stuff Love those guys, and we'll be seeing them more in Arkansas uh, coming up. And hope you guys get a chance to interact with those guys because they're they're a blast, really sharp, doing incredible things uh, in Idaho, uh, Idaho, 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 Idaho. Get old, old Idaho. That's how we say it here in Arkansas, and <laughs> and beyond. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. All right, we're gonna kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil. <music> Story
2: time
4: with Uncle Today's story comes from Donnie Grigg of Vertical Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Vertical Church made a special trip on Christmas morning to the new Ronald McDonald house in their area. They were there to set up a catered meal. Six families had a child in the NICU at Washington Regional Medical Center. They also provided 10 mother comfort bags. Now, they were full of comfort items for families who were enduring a hospital stay with their children during the holidays. The church set up the meal, took a tour of the facilities. Then they prayed with and for the families at the Ronald McDonald House. What an amazing show of community from The Vertical Church. Your stories and what you do as a church plant actually inspire other churches to serve. Send us your stories today by emailing us at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? still sore i never read moby dick i'm very important you never read anything i asked you to Uh, i have many leather bound books
0: let's look at chad and dave's bookshelf all right today on our bookshelf i I don't know if these would actually fit on our bookshelf we had a discussion about potentially recommending a couple of other podcasts Mm -hmm. for you guys to listen to and so chad you want to recommend your podcast first today Yeah,
1: uh, there's a new podcast, and it's Northwest Arkansas specific. It's called Hey, Hey NWA, and it's run by a couple of guys that I go to church with, and we were at a a birthday party the other day, and we were just talking about podcasting, and this guy was like, hey, I have a podcast, so we just started talking about podcasting, which was neat. And he told me about this, and a couple of believers, but they're interviewing kind of all sorts of segments of Northwest Arkansas to kind of show the diversity here. Uh, they've interviewed uh, the people from the Hindu Association and, and a bunch of the Indians that live here uh, from India, you know, those Indians, <laughs> uh, just to clarify, yeah. and, uh, and Walmart employs, I saw the other day, 4,000 Indian families, families wow. are wow. here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, and so there's also you know, it's upwards of 14,000 Marshallese here. And so they've interviewed Muslim communities. They just have, they've tried to really capture the diversity of Northwest Arkansas in a podcast. And so it's pretty cool, pretty neat thing that they're doing. I really like what they're doing. And so I would would recommend you checking that out if you're at all interested in what's going on in northwest Arkansas. It's pretty, pretty fascinating what's what's happening up here. So check out Hey Hey NWA.
0: Well, you know, when you mentioned that and I haven't listened to it yet, I'm going to check it out uh, later today. But that would be an incredible way for for any community to kind of find out who's in the community to yes. to say, hey, we're doing this podcast. We'd love to interview you about you know your experience living here, culture. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about you know who they are and where they're from and and all that? So it's such a great conversation starter to build some relationships and friendships, which mm-hmm. then could open up conversations you know about the gospel. And absolutely so, so I this I'm fascinated to listen to this podcast because this could be a a model for connecting with um, you know people of different you know cultures and ethnicities you know, all across the state
1: and I think I think it's having the creativity to say how can we have more conversations with people that are outside the faith
0: yeah yeah
1: you know and that's a way that they're doing that and yeah. uh you know so
0: yeah it's pretty pretty cool idea yeah well and that follows along you know with Hugh Halter's flesh model for evangelism that you and I both love with yes. you know incarnation being with people to change a reputation okay here are these two believers that want to talk to me about me uh, which mm. then you know elicits conversations which then you know the gospel can do its work and transformation can happen and so I, I'm, I'm I'm excited to listen to that and check that out see see, uh, see what they're doing yeah, man. Great recommendation, Chad. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and mine, mine today was recommended by uh, a buddy of mine, Blake Hudspeth, who is at Summit Church in Conway. And uh, the podcast is called The Moment with Brian Koppelman. And uh, this is not a Christian podcast. And, you know, just a, a word of caution. There is some bad language in a couple of the episodes. Uh, I haven't listened to all of them yet. But he's a movie director uh, directing this show that's pretty hot right now called Billions. Uh, I haven't seen yet, but Paul Giamatti is the star, and I love Paul Giamatti. He's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, he, but he interviews everybody from athletes to politicians to actors and actresses to movie directors to pop culture people, marketing business people, uh, you know, looking down the the interview list, he, he has people like John Lovitz, you know, a uh, great actor, funny comedian, uh, to Seth Godin, uh, you know, to uh, John Acuff, uh, oh, yeah. who's a believer, and uh, is you know, I haven't listened to the John Acuff podcast yet, but uh, he's very, very good interviewer, uh, he's a sharp guy, great questions and i listen so far i've listened to a couple of episodes one with seth godin which is fascinating uh just listen to how seth kind of sees the world and they had this fascinating conversation about beats headphones which are terrible headphones they sound awful i mean this sound quality is just (laughs) unbelievable and he says the the point of beats headphones is is not good sound quality so you don't buy beats to have good headphones you buy beats because of the label and because wow. you want people to look at you you know and see that you can afford beats headphones it's a status thing and hmm. and he said so it's you're and and they talked about the marketing aspects of that, and are we lying to ourselves? And it's just I mean, it was a fascinating conversation. Mm-hmm. And so he interviewed Seth Godin three times. So I'm looking, I've listened to the first one, and looking forward to the other two as well because I'm a big Seth Godin fan. But uh, listened to another one with a a gal named Karen uh, Kusama, who's a movie director, and um, directed one of my favorite movies of last year called the invitation which is a suspense thriller you know with a huge crazy twist at the end and uh um, but uh she's a japanese woman who's a movie director and they talked about kind of gender bias in hollywood and how male directors typically get a chance to make more movies than female directors this is a fascinating mm-hmm. conversation and uh I, you know i've listened to two episodes so far and uh you know, it's kind of a fascinating guest list there that i'm wanting to dive into and so it does have some bad language so you know know that and watch out for that but but it's fascinating interviews i highly recommend the seth godin podcast so far because uh, they those interviews are great and he's just a fascinating individual the most read blog on the planet and uh, he writes cool which is awesome so so the moment by brian koppelman thank you blake hudspeth for turning me on to that one and uh give credit where credit's due there and so check that out and i think you'll enjoy it all right so that's that's it for another episode um guys check us out on on itunes and google play music and stitcher and soundcloud and also on our ABSC website church planning team page we we got a couple of reviews on iTunes so thank you Kerry Weaver and Peter Cunningham for for the right.
1: illustrious the illustrious Peter Cumming, the Cunningham the
0: illustrious I it, I have used that word so much that everybody wants me to refer to them as the illustrious Blank,
1: <laughs> I think I think it's uh, the illustrious blank. Well, there you go. Yeah, there yeah. you go.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, Peter, I think that was like a bucket listing for him. So yeah, to be called illustrious, call it, yeah, Peter yeah, so, Cunningham. Yeah. So, so now, now we fulfilled that.
0: So, Peter, you have always been illustrious to me. Hey, so,
1: making dreams come true on the grind. Every that's right. Day, that's guys. right. That's what we do.
0: Uh, we digress, but you know, check us out on there. Uh, we would uh, love to give you an opportunity to win a free book and uh carrie and peter will be receiving uh a free book in in the mail and uh we have jared wilson coming to arkansas in august so we're going to send him a jared wilson book and uh uh, so they can check him out ahead of time. and so Yeah, we
1: recently nailed down University Baptist Church to host that yeah. on August 19th. So thanks to Brad Wheeler and their
0: staff uh, for Absolutely. hosting us in yeah.
1: Fayetteville. So make plans now. Put it on your calendar, August 19th, Saturday, August 19th, to come on up.
0: Yeah, going to be a great time. Looking Vegas. forward to that going to be fun and we've got a couple other one-day events we're working on and uh, we've got a crew of guys going to exponential conference in april and a lot of arkansas guys there we are hoping to take our podcast mobile equipment uh, to get some interviews while we're there and hopefully we'll set up some other exciting arkansas guests uh, for one-day events and things like that working on some multi-site one day event, which will be be exciting coming up. So, so stay tuned for for things on the horizon. We got some some great podcast guests coming up uh, that you won't want to miss, and a great diversity coming up uh, and guests. So we're excited about what's to come. So if if you like what you're hearing, uh, drop us an interview. or An interview, goodness, it's it's still early in the morning. Drop us a review. Yes. <laughs> a review, yes. yes on on itunes and uh and so let us know what you think and our 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 grind podcast is kind of rising up the the ranks among all the other grind podcasts (laughs) (laughs) on itunes so you can actually not about church planting that's right you can actually find it now uh without having to type in church planting with the grind so so we're rising up the ranks so you guys keep listening and keep preferring and appreciate it
1: yeah Check us out on Twitter, too. We have a a Grind Twitter now. So that's our uh, primary platform that we're using for the podcast. So we'll still be publishing it through our church planting team, various media outlets. But check us out on specific Grind uh, on Twitter. I think it's the Grind AR or the Grind underscore, the underscore Grind
0: AR. Just the Grind AR. Yeah. just Just the Grind AR. Just the Grind AR. So check that out. Follow us on Twitter. We'll follow you back, and and so yeah. you can keep up with stuff going on there with, uh, and we'll highlight quotes from the podcasts and uh, different things there. Talk about guests coming up, and just you know post the podcast there. So check that out. Follow us on Twitter, and um, yeah, another place to connect. So yes, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us again. So Chad, sayonara. Nick, sayonara. Mm-hmm.
1: Glad to see your blood pressure's back to normal. It's back Dave. to
0: normal. I'm I'm you're,
1: calm you're, now, cool, collected. Your face is back to that pasty white that
0: we've always uh, <laughs> that we've, yeah, yeah, that we've grown to love. So. No longer red with anger and frustration. So <laughs> yeah, having Irish blood in me, I can't hide my emotions very well. It just rises in my face, and so I'm cursed with that. So yeah.
1: So uh, just had to get back to you because I think you. I think you commented something about my face a while back but
0: i don't think i did chad uh, but go ahead and pile on that's okay <laughs> <laughs> we know who the compassionate uh, one is between the two of us so <laughs> and it's not you in case you were wondering uh, oh gosh! all right yeah it's all not right. nick either so uh, uh, all right well thank you guys and uh join us next time we'll see you soon keep keep grinding dave